Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Hi, everyone. I'm Monique, your host. Welcome to Leading with Intention. We've got a great guest here today. I'm here with Julie Waters. Julie is a speaker. She's an author on leadership topics. She's a leadership consultant, coach, and trainer. She's also a human resources expert, and she's the author of HR Explained. Welcome, Julie. I'm so glad you're here today. Good morning, Monique. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Julie, right now in the world of human resources, it seems to be like there's a lot of chaos. Always. We've got, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we've got mass layoffs happening. We've got layoffs happening with little to no empathy or compassion for the people mm -hmm. being laid off. Mm -hmm. There are human resource professionals ghosting their job candidates. There's quiet quitting, all kinds of things. Can you offer your perspective on some of these things? Uh, I think aside from talking about leadership, um, I, that also includes human resources. One of my kind of pet peeves and has been for like 10, 15 years as I progressed in my career is bad HR. You know, we get some, some bad actors that give us all, a, frankly, give us all a bad name. Um, even It's even joked about on like shows like The Office or movies like Office Space, like nobody likes the HR person. Um, and I think really the the strength that person needs to be a really strong person and in the past many mostly women have moved into an hr position back when it was personnel and it was strictly an administrative duty and that has really changed in the last 20 25 years there's been many discussions about wanting a seat at the table and how we want our bosses, whether it's the CEO or the CFO, to give us a seat at that table, my thought is just go go in and sit down, just take that seat, because you have something to contribute. As our employees are, there's a lot of talk about how, you know, your employees are your first, first and best asset, then the person who's in charge of those employees overall needs to be at that table. So as human resources leaders, we need to lead. We need to get in there and be part of the conversation. The layoffs that are happening right now, mm -hmm. are these the same companies that did all the mass hiring during COVID and now they're realizing they need to staff down? Is, is it as simple as that or is there something else going on with it? Um, that's a that's a super good question because yes, during during the lockdowns, everything was so uh, tech focused, and they needed you know bodies in chairs working the algorithms and the making sure the structure was staying up. You know, for example, Zoom, they needed people, and because Zoom boomed like thousands of percentage points in those few, first few months of the lockdowns. So it really, um, they did have to hire, they just needed butts and seats essentially. 
Um, unemployment numbers, frankly, from the Fed are at a historically good spot right now, at a good overall number, but it doesn't really tell the whole story. Unemployment in that tech sector is is really increasing exponentially. Um, Meta laid off 13% of its employees recently. Uh, Salesforce laid off 10% last year. Amazon, about 6% since January, and that's 18,000 employees. And that's not necessarily all tech. They've got, they have warehouses as well, and obviously. So I just saw yesterday on LinkedIn, there was uh, at least one person laid off at Microsoft again yesterday. They've had some layoffs recently. Um, CNET, they ha they've laid off 10% of their employees just in the last few weeks, but they also laid off 10% of their of their masthead, of their leadership. So at least they're, they weren't just lopping off the bottom 10%. At least they went through, you know, surgically and took care of, um, didn't just take off all the workers and leave all the leaders there. So, so uh, that's think Oh, go ahead. Sorry, that being said, there's still some services bouncing back from the lockdowns, like um, particularly travel, hotels and airlines. We all know the planes are full these days. There's just not enough staff. Uh, restaurants and salons all still have job openings. And we know like the frontline workers, grocery store clerks, healthcare workers who've been you know, working their, their butts off for the last three years Imagine being an RN on the you know graveyard shift in the ER for the last three years. That person needs to take a break, but there's no one to backfill that position. So while the the numbers look good, you know from the Fed, boots on the ground is is much much different. Um, there's still there's a need for skilled labor jobs, plumbers, HVAC, electricians, truck drivers. Um, so yes, there's jobs out there, um, but it's not sitting at a comfy, comfy desk all day. Um, as far as being some of the tech, I know there was, um, I can't remember the name of the organization, but last year, basically there was a giant Zoom meeting and the people who were invited were all fired. I remember Terrible. that. Yeah, terrible, <laughs> terrible PR, terrible leadership. And I'm not sure, I have never had to do, had to conduct a layoff in such a large organization like that. And frankly, I don't know how, how to do that anyway. Uh, but somebody should, <laughs> you know, somebody who runs those organizations should know better and how to, how to work that. So you're not, making the news for how crappy you did this job. So the there does need to be some kindness. We've we've had some layoffs in my own organization. You have to be upfront, you have to be honest, you do have to show, you know, the kindness knowing that 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 person's going home that night not knowing what they're going to do the next day and that's a terrible feeling. Well, I so, think that's the the thing that most people are experiencing now when they're involved in a layoff is that there's so there's there's HR and then there's their leader, mm -hmm. their managers. And you would think there would be some kind of coordination between those people. Mm -hmm. What what would you say is the proper process involved in a layoff? 
I think proper process would start with what happens six, eight weeks as, as kind of as long as possible beforehand and say, uh, the numbers aren't looking good. We may need to make some changes soon. And so people that are, you know, perhaps realize, have enough self, self-actualization to know that, oh, I might be on the bottom, I might get, you know, laid off, can perhaps make other arrangements, you know, go look for other jobs. Like I said, a few minutes ago, there are job openings. So uh, the, and it needs to be for a reason rather than we're just trying to cut off the bottom 10%, which, which happened. That's still, it's not an illegitimate part of running a business, but it's not great for uh, the optics are bad, essentially. Uh, so I think having the reason that we're doing this and putting it out there, you know, we're running out of money where, you know, our revenue versus our expenses are upside down and we need to make cuts. And I think some organizations feel that if you tell an employee too far in advance, like say you give them a 30 day notice and they're still employed for that 30 days, mm-hmm. that that employee is pretty much going to check out ahead of time and still get paid. So they are not giving anyone any notice. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that practice? If that's the case, that needs to be a conversation with that person and their frontline manager, or maybe the person above that. Apparently, there's got to be metrics that you're looking at evaluating everyone on anyway. So if that person is not meeting them, say you can have leadership should give those managers authorization to be like, I can see that you um, are are not fully engaged here. Uh, We'll give you an extra, you know, here's a week of pay, get out the door now. Another fear would be that a person is going to start messing around with the database, the customers, the clients, whatever it is. And again, there should be safeguards in place for that all the time anyway. And those should be evaluated literally daily if it's necessary. But so there are risks in it, but you have to, it's a, it's a benefit, cost benefit analysis there, whether you're, can you afford to give them a heads up or can you afford bad press? So really, there should be some thought put into this, some planning Mm -hmm. from the practical aspect, from the financial aspect, from the emotional side of what it's going to do to a person. And then it should be approached in a more methodical way than what it has been, it sounds like. Yes, of course, you do need to consider the the emotional and the human um, human impact of that but we're still, you're running a business uh, and that's the bottom line. And in order to save the business, you know, maybe you can't tell people or you have to cut them, but, but yes, there does need to be a process and it needs to be discussed among the whole kind of C-suite leadership and decided and, and part of 
leading in an organization is being able to listen to the rest of your staff. You, you know, as the person making the decisions, you want to get some input from from everyone about how how to best go about this. You don't have all the ideas. You know, you have people around you. You you pay your staff to be able to give you information. So let's listen to that information. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about quiet quitting what it is, why it's happening. Okay, uh, quiet quitting is the phenomenon of people who are disengaged at work. This is not new. It used to be called presenteeism, you know. These are people that are not going above and beyond, barely meeting their job description minimums. Um, they're not doing anything bad necessarily, but all the extra stuff gets cut out. Even stuff like, um, like throwing parties or like, oh, well, I'm bringing in cupcakes today and they just stop doing that. So I know that's a silly kind of analogy, but that's kind of the thing we're talking about is the over and above. Um, we all go through bad days. We all have, let's be honest, there's days when I sit and like, I, I can't, you know, I need, maybe I need a vacation. I don't know. <laughs> um, but depending on, you know, the level the level you're at and the you still have to have the example of being a, a good worker yourself um ways to stop the quiet quitting is making sure your employees have an opportunity to grow learn new things um, for some people it's praise and recognition so you need to make sure that you're you have to serve each person how they are best served. You know, we have, um, like, I don't, I don't need praise and recognition. I want money. <laughs> so, so um, but some people really, really need that. So uh, sometimes it may be the quiet quitting comes from the company's mission. You know, maybe they came to work for you because they really believed in the mission, but the monotony or the, um, anxiety of all the of those days working towards that and they've decided they don't really care about that thing anymore um it might just be burnout so you want to work for somebody who feels like they care about you and encourages your development um frankly the quiet quitting tends to happen with some of the younger employees um some of the idealism maybe that we all had when we were 30 so that some of it has gone away life has life has pushed that out of our brains so um so you do need to make sure as a leader you are really focusing on basically the the care and feeding of your younger staff so it's not a new thing but no. it's getting a lot of attention for some reason right now why is that I think it is because of that younger, that younger, um, that that younger set of people that are more engaged online. They're more engaged with each other, and frankly, the words "quiet quitting" that's clever. That, that's a catchphrase, and it, it it becomes a thing. Then, but yeah, presenteeism presenteeism is not as cute as quiet quitting. So. <laughs> So I just I would encourage 
to make sure that you're checking in with all of your employees. And I'm not saying that the leader of a 30,000 employee company needs to talk to everybody, but you train your your leadership, your frontline leaders all the way down the the ladder that they need to be having these development conversations with their staff all the time. And, and sometimes think- you, I'm sorry, sometimes you can just tell by looking, like what's happening with you, talk to me. Right. And I think that's so important, the communication piece. Many of the leaders that I coach, they are not having career conversations with their people. They're not having one-to-ones because they're busy. So Mm -hmm. it is important that that communication is happening and that they're really trying and working hard to develop their people. And I think you're right. There's an increase in motivation if someone is being developed if mm-hmm. someone understands the where they fit in to the big picture, so if they understand the vision and the goals of the company, then I think they are more likely to stay motivated. And mm-hmm. even if they're if they find their motivation lacking, they need to go to their manager and maybe their manager can give them a stretch project or something else that will keep them extremely motivated. So Mm -hmm. I think that communication is really key. Just like, as you mentioned, it is between the leaders and HR when they're trying to determine if someone needs to be laid off. So it Mm -hmm. all comes back down to that communication. Absolutely. An honest communication. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Clear, clear, radical candor. Yeah. We have been talking to Julie Waters about HR practices, how they could be better, about quiet quitting. And when we come back after a commercial break, we will hear more about this topic. So stay tuned, we'll be right back. Be sure to like the Voice America Business Channel on Facebook. You'll find out about up-to-the-minute business happenings and get ideas from entrepreneurs and business professionals. Search Voice America Business or click the like button under the player and stay ahead of the curve. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Connect with us and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. 
Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everybody. We're here with Julie Waters, human resources expert. Julie, say a little bit about the practice of the HR professionals really ghosting, I guess is the best word for it, their job candidates. I mean, okay. with so many people wanting jobs, it I keep hearing from my clients that they suddenly may be right in the middle of you know, meetings with hiring managers or HR, and suddenly they hear nothing else, mm-hmm. and they're just left hanging. What is that all about? Well, that's just bad HR. And again, that's nothing new. Once again, ghosting is the new name for it, but lazy human resources is not anything new. And sometimes perhaps the recruiter's overwhelmed. Of course they are. Talent acquisition these days is is ridiculous depending on your your organization. You know, those tech companies we talked about before, maybe their talent acquisition is not busy, but everyone else's is. So um, the it's hard. It's hard to call people. And I think if you've interviewed them in person, you do owe them a phone call personally. Um, but you should also just have a template email for people. Thanks, but no thanks. And keep it short and sweet. You don't need to go into a big explanation about why, but you need to just to do the thing. You need to do the thing. You need to be a human being. Think about it. Put yourself in their shoes. You know, if I'm the person who's really psyched about this job and then it's crickets, you know, that that's a terrible feeling. And with social media, and social media is not new these days, is it will get out. And you're, you know, the employer of choice that you might have status that you might have held before is now no longer, it's going to go away. You know, sites like, of course, LinkedIn, but also Glassdoor, where you can, you know, rate and review your experiences at these companies. Um, You can, one bad recruiter can kind of get your organization in some hot water there. But it, it is just lazy. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, overwhelmed HR people not not finishing the job. You've got a very impressive HR background. How did you get yeah. into it? And, and why are you still in it, given everything, all the craziness and all the chaos right now? <laughs> I, I love it. I love chaos. I thrive there. <laughs> but... I fell into it actually on accident. I was placed as a temp when I was like 25 years old into a HR department as an admin. And the woman who mentored me there, she was great. The whole staff there was was really good at their jobs. And uh, I do find I've learned about myself over the years. I'm kind of nosy. So like I want to be in everybody's business. (laughs) So I'm in the perfect spot. So I get to kind of get to know a little bit about everybody and have those relationships and know perhaps where they're, you know, where they're looking at for their future career path, <clears throat> excuse me, or you know, what's happening in their home life. So maybe if they're not doing so hot at the job, but 
you know, their spouse just had a baby or something and they're not getting any sleep. You, you can, so if my nosiness has kept me kind of uh, <laughs> in those relationships, but also I think when I was a kid, I wanted to be a lawyer and then I decided there's no way I wanted to go to law school, but I get my little foot into the law when it comes to employment law in this, in this industry. So there are really a lot of different facets of HR, right? I mean, in my career, I worked under the HR umbrella and my mm -hmm. area of expertise was learning and development, mm -hmm. you know, curriculum development, corporate training, internal coaching, things like mm -hmm. that. But that's only one small part of HR. What are right. some of the other facets that you've been involved in? Um, I started out kind of in benefits, and that's a pretty niche area, even of HR. And back in the you know late 90s, early aughts, there were a lot more before kind of everything was online. You did need you did need some expertise on the staff of being able to help with um, employees having issues with their their health plans. So I, I started there. Um, while I was actually in one of those first jobs, I was able to get my master's degree. And so I was able to kind of um, get more knowledge on a, a, the larger picture of HR and not just stayed niche in, in benefits. Um, you know, generalist management, leadership. The one thing I'm super bad at is recruiting. <laughs> so, so I expect people to tell me the truth. And it turns out they don't. So, so when you say, hey, tell me about when you did this in your past and they make something up, I apparently can't figure that out. So so I will leave the recruiting into somebody else. <laughs> we have to know our strengths, right? And that's not one of them. And HR really plays a big part working directly with the leaders, mm -hmm. with the hiring managers, the leaders in the company. So you're involved in helping them make those decisions? I mean, tell me about what the decision-making process is for a leader. They really, as far as HR is concerned, they really do need to be involved in kind of across the board decisions, even regarding some of the operations or um, directions of the organization. Because as the person who's charged with making sure the staff is able to manage where the the direction in which the the larger organization is going they need to be in in that room at that table with those conversations uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, i worked for a, a gentleman who was great he was actually a former uh, a two three-star admiral and he wanted to do he had an idea that he wanted to do this one particular thing and i'm like you can't do that and here i am a kind of early 30s woman to you know telling this three-star admiral with this huge amazing career sorry you can't do that and of course his answer was why not and i said well because of the national labor relations act you know it's against the law it's <laughs> like oh okay so just being in the room to have to, to raise the flag is is really half the battle and then from the hr side to be able to have the I mean, you have the knowledge. If you're there in that position, you have the knowledge. But to have the, I don't want to say guts or whatever, but to have the 
confidence, I guess, to say, oh, can't do that. And here's why, regardless of who else is in the room. So um, as far as, you know, process of decisions, decision making in general, you need to look at how you do that. You, you have to start by looking in the mirror. Like, how do I make decisions? What's my, where are my stakeholders? If I'm the company, I'm a CEO of a big company, I'm looking at stock price, I'm looking at board, I'm looking at C-suite, I'm looking at employees, obviously, I'm looking at customers. So there, there's a lot of input there, and that's why you have people surrounding you. You want to listen to your staff. You pay these people to have expertise. You have to ask them and listen to them. Give them the space to say the words that maybe you don't want to hear. Um, and also know enough about yourself that you don't know everything. And that's why you have these people surrounding you. Um, getting input. If you're making big changes, getting input from all levels of your organization. Um, for example, we changed some software around. And the person in charge of, the, of IT, you know, did all the technical parts. And uh, the person in charge of the database made these decisions. But that person didn't talk to the end users, the, the people who are entering the data. And so they made all these decisions to change this stuff around. And then they, uh, you know, implemented it. And it was junk because they didn't, they thought they knew everything. And one of the things I talk about mostly in my book, but really in any conversation, you don't know what you don't know. So you have to have conversations with everybody up and down the line. Because even the, you know, even the, the brand, the lowest level, and I hate to describe it as that, but uh, the, the person who enters the data at the very beginning of any process has more knowledge on that process than the CEO. The CEO has never sat at that desk and type in names and address and that sort of thing. So, so you need input from everyone. Some people are very intimidated by senior leaders. Mm -hmm. And like you said, those people are the subject matter experts. The, the senior leaders are not. But all the time in coaching, I have people coming to me telling me that they've got these big meetings with senior leaders, uh -huh. they're expected to step up and talk about their expertise and maybe even advise the senior leaders. Uh -huh. And they're afraid to do that. Why do you think some people are really afraid to tell a senior leader what they need to hear? It frequently may be through experience of, I've told that senior leader this stuff before and I get yelled at or I get shut down or, or even like I get yelled at and shut down, but then they do it anyway and think, you know, say they came up with it by themselves sort of thing. So as a, as that leader, you need to be open to anyone or anything that comes in and to your door and says, Hey, this is messed up or if you request a meeting, say, hey, I want to learn about this, this, and this, you as the leader need to be open to what those things are and, and listen. As far as the other side, <clears throat> you, you know what you, you are asked because you are an expert. 
and I'd actually be interested to know what you say to these people that come to you in these coaching meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, you are the expert. You know your stuff. You, say it. Tell it. And if you have to, you know, they talk about public speaking. Public speaking. You know, imagine everybody in the audience is in their underwear or whatever it is you have to say. These people put their pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. All that, all those kind of things. And they don't know what you know. So uh, confidence is, is really hard to instill in people who haven't who haven't either grown up with it or you know acquired it somewhere along the way. So I, I know it's a difficult conversation, but you wouldn't have been asked to bent to be in that room and have that conversation if you didn't know what you're doing. What what do you tell them? Well, we really work together to craft the conversation because as you said, they do they are the subject matter experts. So they need to to know that they've been asked into that room for a reason and, and they're at that table for a reason. So we craft the conversation together so that they can sound assertive, direct, yeah. stick to the point, because many senior leaders just want the bottom line. You know, they don't need a lot of background yes. and details. So we work together to make sure that they are very concise. Um, But you had mentioned that senior leaders need to listen to people, get their opinion. What if time is of the essence? Because sometimes senior leaders need to make decisions and there's no time to get ideas or thoughts or opinions. What Uh then? I think as the person being asked the question, come with a plan. Like, this is my recommendation. If you want to know the details of why, I can give them to you, but this is this is my recommendation. Or um, having been around a lot of uh, military folks in my career, come with two or three recommendations and say that, you know, this is the best one. As the, hopefully hopefully there's time at least for a super high level, you know, even five minute conversation with the subject matter expert to get that information. And if that person's worth their, worth their paycheck, (laughs) they would be able to come up with at least an off uh, off the cuff answer for them. Um, But when, when those senior leaders are, are disagreeing with what, with what somebody says, are they, are they getting mad? Are they trying to understand why they disagree? And it's not about, you know, the data or the number, whatever it is, it's about, it may be about personality. It's like, if someone's challenging me, I'm not just going to get mad because I'm being challenged. I want to know, you know, what their thinking is as to why they think my method is not the, not the correct one. Are you listening to the answer to reply? Are you listening to the answer to uh, make an informed decision? So, I really like the concept of the subject matter expert coming to the table with a couple ideas, but recommending one. Uh I think that helps the senior leader just to narrow it down and Uh to understand what the pros and cons are, and it would help them get to a decision even quicker. So that makes perfect sense. Well, and that the person put some thought into it, didn't just think, okay, we're going to do this, check. That they that they did their job and look, 
looked at the other alternatives as well. What's the importance of ranking stakeholders and why would somebody do that? I think if you're worried about your buddies on the board or your buddies in the C-suite more than you're worried about your employees or your customers, you know, then, then you've got um, your priorities screwy. I realize that with publicly traded companies, stock price is a thing. Uh, there's been a lot of, many people talk about if you take care of your employees, they will take care of your customers. Therefore, you know, the revenue will come and your stocks will be, your stock will go up, all that kind of stuff. Um, sometimes you get some people on boards that are a little pushy and aggressive that have their own agenda, I guess. Uh, and they, the, the board needs to be managed just minute, just as much as, you know, the, the staff below you need to be managed. So I, if, if stock price is your only worry, then, it, you know, you're, you're not showing the employees the love that they need to take care of the customers to get more revenue. So, you know, employees come first. I, and I, I lear I've learned that a number of times. Employees come first. If you have the right people in the seats, you'll do fine. So a leader really needs to look at themselves, their values, their mm -hmm. priorities, and make sure that they are doing things uh, where they are looking at the employees and understanding the value that the employees bring mm -hmm. to an organization because really without employees there's there isn't an organization right so this this actually takes us into where i want to go after break uh regarding skills development training and development things like that because once you have your employees knowledgeable i think they can accomplish great things and they can make the leader look good so absolutely <laughs> so that's really really important um Julie, we've covered some great information and we've got more to come after break. So we're gonna take a short break. Everybody stay tuned, we will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Julie Waters. We're talking about human resources. Julie, I know you work mainly with small businesses, but mm-hmm. tell us the difference in HR for small, medium, or large businesses, mm-hmm. or is there a difference? Uh, there is. Uh, for small businesses, they might not even have an HR person, and so there does need to be a at least base level knowledge of a couple of laws to make sure you don't get yourself in trouble. Um, for a, a medium, you know, a hundred to 500 people, you have probably a couple, couple people in HR, maybe um, a specialist that, uh, excuse me, a benefits specialist that's going to help people with their, their leave and their health insurance and all that sort of thing. Uh, as you get larger, if you get into a larger corporation, HR departments may have, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of people in them. You've got a recruiting arm, you've got that benefits and payroll arm, you've got the leadership and development. Uh, so there, there's, and then of course you, HR as always kind of, I've referred to them frequently as the cops of the company. <laughs> like we're the ones that, you know, will work through any discipline areas that need to happen or retraining if something's going wrong. So uh, it, it is a pretty big difference. You know, in those small businesses, you may have one person wearing all of those hats, but as you get larger, you're going to um, specialize a little bit more. And I think the larger companies, at least from the leaders that I coach, they can, they get kind of confused because in their companies, HR is so big. Mm-hmm. And some of them don't even realize that they can go to HR if they're having like a disciplinary problem with an employee. Mm-hmm. They feel like they're by themselves and they they think of HR only as maybe benefits mm-hmm. and not an, an area of the company that can help them with the disciplinary actions or putting someone on a performance improvement plan, things like that, or FMLA. There's a lot of that too. And managers can probably get themselves into big trouble if they are having those conversations with employees and excluding HR, right? Absolutely. There's a lot of legal stuff that goes into like, for example, FMLA, you know, there's, there's timelines and there's, um, a number of months of service and expiration dates. And so there's a lot of places where you can get yourself in trouble. Same thing with uh, National Labor Relations for uh, uh, having 
non-exempt people or an exempt people salaried or hourly also independent contractors particularly in the smaller organizations but i know big ones have independent contractors as well of whether this person is truly an independent contractor or they are an employee and if you're not treating them like an employee as far as how you're paying their taxes much less all the other uh um showing favor to certain people um you can get yourself in trouble for discrimination as well so there there's a lot of legal that goes on there and managers and hr needs to train their managers if they are having a like the the company managers throughout the organization if they're having a discipline problem what do you do you, you know raise your hand and we'll come help you or even at the senior level you again you don't know what you don't know so somebody knows it so somebody in the organization knows it and it's us and uh, please use us it did start like i said before it did start as an administrative kind of burden that you know it's payroll it's benefits but it is so much more than that not only have the laws really changed over time and new ones have come in but also employees are more <laughs> i feel like employees are more complicated than they were a number of years ago you know you used to be able to like sit there do this and now you don't get away with that you know because we're all humans and we deserve to be treated as such <laughs> so so really no matter what size the company is leaders need to get to know their hr people and reach out to them and find out you know exactly what they what they need from them and i think that's a that's something that's new to some managers they just don't realize they don't realize that they can reach out like that mm -hmm. so and it, it also kind of goes back you mentioned those leaders need to be trained and need to you know to know things like that when it comes to employee training like leaders having their employees trained mm -hmm. because employees will hopefully at some point progress to become a leader you know yes. there's a lot of them out there that are aspiring to be leaders mm -hmm. so how do leaders know if an employee is ready for that or if they have you know reached their skills ceiling for leadership say a little bit about that uh um, in some organizations people get to be like the manager of that department because they've been there the longest that's not the best you know maybe they don't even want to be the manager so again that it comes to a conversation of you know what are your goals maybe you have a brand new person who wants to be you know who wants to lead the team or who wants to lead the team leaders or something again it's conversations getting to know your people um, HR though has a responsibility to make sure that they put that development piece out there. And and frankly, I I think stories are the best way to learn really anything. Like an adult learning theory says that we learn by stories. It's easier to remember. Um, I don't know if you recall maybe, I don't know, eight years ago or so, Susan Fowler was a programmer at Uber and how badly she was being treated because she was like one woman in a group of a bunch of male programmers and 
had someone, had she known that she can go talk to HR or if she did go talk to HR and HR did nothing about it, you know, not only was this bad for them in the press, I know I never used Uber again after that. I used Lyft because <laughs> so uh, I, it also is a, it can get them in trouble. Maybe there was a lawsuit there. Maybe there was a settlement that we didn't know about. So it, it is important that HR pushes their, their, um, their products, I guess, out to the larger management of the company to say, look, we can help you with this in terms of, developing and leading people yeah just making sure that they even want to be in those chairs as leaders and that if even if hr didn't have a hand in that if they were just like okay this is the new manager of this team and they didn't know anything about it okay well that's done let's sit down and talk about what you need to know and there are so many slippery, slippery slopes these days when it comes to certain conversations regarding, you know, anything that's a protected class, you know, race, religion, family status, veteran status, all that sort of thing. So HR needs to make sure they're pushing out their, their, their products, that they're there. And I think the other important thing is regarding onboarding. I mm -hmm. think some organizations think that onboarding is just filling out the HR paperwork on your first day and getting your computer and all your logins and then it's done. But there are a lot of employees who have a really poor onboarding experience and they don't stay yeah. because the onboarding is that person's first view of the company and how mm -hmm. it works internally. And I, I coach a lot of people around this about how it's a collaborative effort between HR and the hiring manager and even the team that that new employee will be on. Mm -hmm. And they need to create a, a robust onboarding program that is way longer than just the first few days of filling out your paperwork. Agreed. What are your thoughts about that? I actually have a story in my book about a woman who um, left the building three, four times a day to go across the street to the Starbucks to use the bathroom because no one told her where the bathrooms were. So <laughs> you have to think really all the way down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that you need to have a, whether it's a checklist or something to make sure that all those kinds of things get answered. And that's maybe you uh, attach someone as a, like a buddy to make sure that they know or that, t you know, shows them where the good hotspots are for lunch or make sure that they know where to find sticky notes and all that kind of stuff. So it is absolutely more than paperwork and logins. And, and you know, you've spent a lot of time and money to get this person in the door. Make sure they don't walk out. You know, keep, keep working on that almost um, recruiting process because you want to keep them, recruiting them into a long-term stay with you. Tell us about your book, what it's about, what brought you to writing it, and how people can find out more about you and the book. Uh, it is called HR Explained, A Practical Guide to Human Resources for Small Business. Isn't she pretty? Oh, <laughs> um, it is for small business owners, whether you have zero employees and you're just opening them up shop better to you know get your get your HR house in order now before you get employees on and it's got some templates in there about you know job descriptions and 
and policies and that sort of thing. So uh, it, it is mostly for small businesses to kind of get them rolling. It's been in my brain. I have um, some friends in town who are entrepreneurs. I worked, when I worked with the National Military Spouse Network, a lot of those women were entrepreneurs, mostly women, were entrepreneurs that needed to um, to have these sort of things. So these are the questions I get as an HR expert, like, how do I do this? And so I just put it down, was bouncing around my head for a couple of years, and uh, I just put it down on paper, found a great publisher, and off we went, so... And how can people find it? Uh, HRbookexplained.com is where you can find it. Um, it's also on Amazon. Just search for HR Explained Book. And I can be reached on LinkedIn, Julie Waters on LinkedIn. And yeah, please reach out. I can uh, answer questions off the website as well, hrexplainedbook.com. So I'm happy it's to answer questions you might have. It sounds like a great resource, and you actually have been a great resource today, giving Thank us you. a lot of good information that leaders really need in order to be able to lead better. And for the listeners out there, if you have any questions for me that you want me to address on the show, you can email me at monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. But I invite you to come back next week and don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks, Monique. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.